May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. One of the um, great perils in life is when you accidentally hear part of a conversation and your mind runs right as a result. Um, I mentioned to the students the other day, um, years back when I was living in London, I was walking down Kingsway and three Catholic priests were walking up the other way. And as we passed, I heard one of the priests say to the other two, yes, and it was full of nuns. I've no idea what the rest of the conversation was, but by God did I want to follow them and find out um, as a result. Um, we've got here a conversation between Pilate and Jesus. And there are a number of questions I want to ask from the outset. Firstly, who's listening in on this? How do we know that this is the conversation between these two men? How does the gospel writer get hold of the transcript of this conversation? And also, are we missing out on anything? Are we only hearing part of the conversation? Are we missing out on the best bits? Does Jesus actually go on to explain to Pilate really what the nature of truth is? Because it's sort of left hanging there for us, isn't it? We're waiting for the next part of a conversation that seemingly never materialises. And yet this dialogue poses for us today some very significant questions. Firstly, how are we as Christians to interact with the powers of the world? Secondly, how do we understand the nature of the kingdom of God? Thirdly, what is the nature of truth? And fourthly, how do we live out proclaiming the truth when there are times where we know it will be painful to do so? In our story today, between Pilate and Jesus, there are really three concepts of power, three, three visions of leadership or kingship at play. Firstly, there is Pilate's idea of being a Roman governor with all of the full weight of the imperial army behind him. Secondly, we have the, the people that have put Jesus in that room, the Sanhedrin, the, the high priests, and, and their desire and their leadership style is to just keep everything quiet. Don't rattle the cages. Let's, be, let's collude, let's be a little bit corrupt, and let's hope eventually for the next David, the next warrior king to come along. And then there's Jesus' model of kingship and leadership. Defiance, integrity, peace, a picking up those who have been left behind by the powers that be, a, a kind of radical inclusion. So I guess one of the challenges for us today is, well, which version of kingship do you wish to follow? I'm not a particularly big fan of Graham Kendrick, I have to throw it out there, but, but they, the hymn, The Servant King, I think actually probably gets to an important point that, that we need to wrestle with. 
We spend so long looking for the God portrayed in the Sistine Chapel, the God with the big beard, seated on his judgment seat on high, that too often we, we miss because God's there kneeling and washing our feet. If you ever get the chance, um, I would strongly encourage you to go to Ravenna uh, in northeast Italy. Um, and in Ravenna, there are a whole raft of very early Christian mosaics from the, the 5th and 6th century. And in some respects, they, they represent the tipping point in Christian theology. Uh, because in those mosaics, we have portrayed a lot of the time Jesus as a kind of Roman emperor. Jesus as the new Caesar. Whereas beforehand, the idea of Jesus having obtained all of that kind of authority would have appeared bizarre, strange, when people understood that Jesus was the servant, the servant king, not, not the one siding with the Roman emperor. And it was that tipping point caused by when suddenly Christianity became acceptable and, and Constantine was converted, and as a result, Christianity became the official religion. And Stanley Hauerwas, the American theologian, says that the tipping point in Christian theology was that before Constantine, you needed courage to be a Christian. After Constantine, you needed courage to be a pagan because the church turned its, its focus around and rather than being the oppressed, became often the oppressor itself. The weak gained power and the church lost its way. Which king do you follow? Are you with the emperor or are you with the servant king? The trouble is that we in the church, we have no excuses here. We do know what the kingdom of God looks like. We see it in the life of Jesus Christ. We see it in his teachings and the way he lived out every single aspect of his teaching. And for the kingdom of God, we need to mimic Christ so that we enact the kingdom on a daily basis. Christ's form of ministry of healing, of inclusion, of hospitality to those whom everyone else would have ignored. And we see it today. There are occasions, glimpses, where we get the kingdom of God. The way that some of you have been volunteering with the night shelter. Those who, when you arrive in the morning, I know have been offering hot drinks to those who have been sleeping out on our doorstep, rather than trying to get rid of them. We see the kingdom of God in action. We see that servanthood and it's that which we need to reflect upon and that which we need to follow. But how do we interact? How do we offer that in a world which seemingly ignores so much of the teachings of Jesus Christ? A world that seems hell-bent on ignoring the values that Jesus promoted. In today's passage, an initial question about earthly royalty moves swiftly into an explanation by Jesus that my kingdom is not from this world. Now, Pilate unsurprisingly needs an explanation, and Jesus then clarifies things by combining the ideas of kingdom and truth. True kingship, real authority, real leadership grounded in integrity is established 
by truth. So when we have the rulers of our world who start talking about forest fires and the need to start raking because um, that's the way that they do it in Norway, um, even though there's been no such conversation held. I mean, the leader of the free world, supposedly, he cannot open his mouth without a lie coming out of it. We've ended up in a world where there's all kinds of concerns about our own democracy and how much influence and interference from Russia in the whole process. You go on the internet and all you get day after day is trolling by other people so that any notion of trying to express truth probably will lead to a whole load of abuse. Dishonesty has become the clearest and most present danger to our democracy and our values too often have become undermined as a result. The notion of fake news, whatever that is. The conspiracy theorists who hold sway and whose opinions we apparently must respect just for balance sake, even when they're talking arrant nonsense about aliens or climate change or JFK or how on earth a Toblerone ended up in the shape it presently is. We've got a real crisis within our own country. Which king are we following? Which truth are we holding on to? Our world's media seems to have adopted the philosophy of Joseph Goebbels, where if you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it, and you will even come to believe it yourself. The most brilliant propagandist, Goebbels said, the most brilliant propagandist technique will yield no success unless one fundamental principle is borne in mind constantly. It must confine itself to a few points and repeat them over and over. The speed with which lies are emanated in our world today because of the advances in technology makes it feel like the truth must constantly play catch up. And when the truth is allowed to confront the lies, then the truth itself is just mere fake news. Which king are you following? Are you riddled with truth in your approach to everything? Dare to be a Daniel, yearn to preserve the truth, cherish it, nurture it, protect it. And if the truth actually places you in opposition with the powers of the age, then so be it. And if the truth actually forces the church into confrontation with the powers that be, then so be it. Stanley Hauerwas, when he was talking about that point about Constantine, he goes on to say that the church lost its way in the fourth century and we have now the chance to recapture it. That actually the church should be oppressed, not the oppressor. It should be powerless, not the powerful that we maybe need to view ourselves almost as, as aliens in and amidst the, the, the wider population, that our values are higher and nobler and that it's by living out those values that we actually present what the Christian faith truly is. What is truth? Asks Pilate. The trouble is that Holding on to the truth itself can be a huge and profound challenge. Those little white lies that we tell to preserve a friendship, those times we are ordered to keep silent to protect our jobs, those moments where our integrity feels most at threat. 
What is truth? asks Pilate. Is this whimsical or is it a sincerely searching question? Does Pilate yearn to follow a different path or even a different leader? However Pilate tries to answer those inner questions, he then follows a course of action that appears to create a conflict between his need to do his job as a Roman official and his own personal integrity. I'm sure we've all been through those situations where we have felt compromised. How do we live out the truth in those situations where actually speaking the truth might be personally costly or costly to someone else? So if any of you are in those situations today, my prayer for you is that you will have the wisdom that you need to know how to work through those challenges, that you will have the courage to do what is right. But my prayer also is for the church, where we know there is falsehood. May we be bold in proclaiming the truth. Let us think which king we truly do follow. Are we with the emperor or are we with Christ? Christ in that conversation with Pilate, he ends up going from there onto the cross possessing the truth, belonging to the truth is the way that Jesus phrases it, brings with it a huge and profound cost. But the king we follow is not of this world, but we are called to follow that king and we are called to live out our lives in that kingdom and to offer to our present world a new vision of what needs to be. May God give us the courage and the wisdom we need to follow the truth this day and forevermore. Amen.